Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, guys, let's get serious now. In the book of Revelation, remember, John is on the island of Patmos, and he's given a vision, right? Can you imagine, right? And, and, and here's what we think about the island of Patmos. I wouldn't want to be there. It was rocky. It was, he's old. I mean, I mean, but this is the greatest revelation. And sometimes we need to remember that in our deepest trial is our greatest, greatest revelation of the Lord. And so John says, man, he's really seen one of the, the hardest seven years of human history right here. Okay, now we're privileged, okay, because some people go, man, Robert, I wish I was there when Jesus, I wish I had been one of his, dis- I wish I had at least seen Jesus back 2,000 years ago. But listen, we're going to see the return of the Lord. Okay, we're, gonna, we're the generation that's going to be one day having a good time and boom, you know, hear that sound and we're out of here. We're, gonna, we're that generation. And so, and so we get to see that, man. And, and, uh, but, but for John, it's not such a pleasant thing. Because he sees, guys, early on he sees the destruction of the earth. He sees the activities of Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, not to mention that evil is rampant in the world. Now think about this for just a moment. We see evil now. As a matter of fact, Isaiah said, Woe to you who call evil good and good evil. That's what we're seeing today. We're seeing the very values we hold dear in the word of God being trampled on by evil. Guys, we see it. We're the, I mean, and we I can't believe this. The very values that we hold dear, the very things that put my Jesus on the cross are the very things that people are celebrating. And it's like, wow. And John sees all of this evil in the tribulation. And it really bugs me that people go, well, you know, I, I'll, just, I'll just go through it. No, no, you don't understand. It's not a walk in the park. And this, what we've studied so far, is enough to wear anybody down. All the way to 13. But now we come to chapter 14, guys, and we see, guys, we welcome a change a nice little breather from the previous chapters. Why? Because John in chapter 14, now what you have to understand in the book of Revelation is John uses signs, he uses symbols, but he also uses a fast forward button. Okay? A fast forward button on the remote. Okay? You can skip forward, you can go back. You guys know that, right? When you're watching a movie and you put it on on Pure Flix because you're, you're great Christian people and, and you push forward and then you push, oh, what did he say? What do you say? And this is what John's doing. Okay, you understand that's how he wrote. Okay, so what he's going to do, guys, is he says, man, listen, John is actually going to see the Lamb of God standing on Mount Zion at the end of the tribulation. So he's going to fast forward so we get a little bit of glimpse. It's almost like the Lord says, hey, I know you guys got enough trib. I know you've, <sighs> it's really hard to breathe right now, so I need to give you something to ease your mind just a little bit. So what does John see? John sees, guys, the people of God sealed at the beginning of the tribulation period will not be lost. 
They will be keep, kept till the end. See, so these first five verses in chapter 14, John sees, John hears, and he notices six things, guys, about the 144,000. He notices those. You go, what do you mean? Well, see, this chapter, it begins by jumping into a head where, where the second coming of Jesus is standing triumphantly in Mount Zion with the 144,000. Now, here's what you need to understand. If you were just to read Revelation with that mindset, it would be confusing. And that's why a lot of people raise their hand and go, I'm confused. Because you have to understand it. You have to be taught that all of a sudden, last week where we left the Antichrist, right, the 666, the monetary, or two weeks ago, we left that. And so it was like, oh, but now it's like, wait a minute here, let's fast forward. This is what he's going to see. Now, Remember, who is this group? Well, we, we were first introduced to them in chapter 7, chapter 7 of Revelation, and we saw clearly that they were 144,000 Jewish people, okay? Particularly, they were 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. That's where we get the 144,000. Now, I know there's some religious folks around here that are going, no, 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 we're part of the 140, no, the 144,000 are Jewish from the tribes of Israel. They were set apart, guys, by the Lord with a special seal of protection. They were set apart for a special assignment during when? The tribulation. Okay? So they these are special agents, if you will, set apart, sealed by God during the most horrific time in human history. You're like, okay, okay, okay. Most people believe that they are going to possess this incredible gift of evangelism. And I believe it. I believe it. Guys, when I preach and give an invitation that people get saved, the reason people get saved is because God's still moving, even in a time where it's like, okay. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We got to be so careful that we don't get too complacent, too comfortable, specifically in a great state like Texas. We can get that way. In other churches and other Calvaries where it's darkest, they're baptizing thousands of people because where it's darkest, the light shines brighter. Sometimes we kind of go, oh, no, we're free. We're cool. It's Texas, man. We're conservative. Let's go, Texans. And so we forget how much we need the Lord. And so these guys are going to come in a world that's just falling apart, and they're going to tell people about Jesus. Can you imagine 144, if you will, Apostle Paul's telling the world to repent? That's what's going to happen. Now, Here's what I need you to know, guys. In your Bible, put somewhere, right in your Bible somewhere. I want you to know this is the at the end of the tribulation period, okay? So we've sort of fast forward in time. If you will, let me just kind of give you a, a, a modern scenario, Alex. We, we got in the DeLorean and we hit at the end of the tribulation. We hit three and a half years and we, right, we went back to the future. That's what we did. 
And this is what we're seeing here. See, so that, that, that puts some, that puts some you, you got the mind on there, okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. John goes, okay, I saw the Lamb of God, and I saw how much? Help me, church, 144,000. 144,000. Now, here's what I want you to know, okay? Because I think this is something that's just going to really bless you, okay? I want you to know, guys, um, at the end of the tribulation, John sees 144,000. You go, Ben, you said that. But here's what I want you to know. It's not 142,000, Eva. It's not 143,999. You go, yeah. Guys, here's what I'm saying. The special appointed by God, they all made it through. 144,000. You see, that right there gives us hope. Because this is the testimony to the faithfulness of the Father. You see, he told the 144,000, I keep my promises, and I'm going to see you through the whole tribulation. And John goes, there they were, every single one of them. Now, here's what I want you to see. If the God who's going to take the 144,000 and, 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 and protect them and carry them and seal them and see them through is the same God who's going to do that for you today. Okay? You have to stand upon the promises of God. You have to stand upon the promises of God. The promises of God, this is, they're, they're true, and he's going to keep his promises to you. Well, like what? Like what, Linda? Like God says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to be with you. In those times of loneliness, God is with you. He promises that. He promises he's going to walk with you every single day, and he's going to be, he's going to be your shepherd. You're going to hear his voice. That's all the promises, guys, are yes and amen. He keeps his promises. Now, that's something you go, man, if you get nothing else out of this Bible study, you go, man, God keeps his promises, and he promises that one day I'm going to be walking on streets of gold in eternity. And you know what I'm going to be, Sarah? I'm, going to, I'm not going to have any stress, worry, anxiousness. It's all going to be amazing. All that is gone. All the, all the drama of this earth, all the evilness that's gone, I'm going to be... With my heavenly Father. Now, what we don't understand is that's eternity. Okay? Forever. That's where we're going to be. I can't grasp that. I know time in this world. I know that tomorrow we'll get up, we'll go to work, we'll go from this time to this time, and then we have something else to do. We live by time. But speaking of eternity, wow. Wow. We, it's forever. It's forever. So here's a special group that makes it through the tribulation, right? They stand. They're standing strong for the Lord in the midst of difficulties. And they go, guys, through the most morally dark time in history of the world and the most spiritual difficult time and come out winners because they stood their ground. Now, we as a church aren't going to be here for the tribulation. That's a good place for an amen. Because we're going to be raptured ahead of time. Okay? Now, I know there's a lot of teaching out there that says, well, the rapture's false. And Paul talked about it. I've studied it. I mean, I just, I know the rapture's coming. But there are times, even now, that we're going to go through tribulations and difficulties. 
We are. It's, it's, it, I'm a Christian. Now, again, guys, we're, we're going to go through these times. But what the Lord wants us to do, Rosa, is to stand strong in these times. Because what we need to grasp and we need to make, we, we need to make peace with this is that right now we're living in a dark world that's against God. It is. And you go, yeah, no, no, Ben, I, I, I get that. I get that. But see, the Lord has called every one of us right here, guys, to shine as lights. To be a beautiful reflector of who he is. So what can we learn from this group of people? These 144,000 standing strong, shiny bright in the midst of these circumstances. What can we learn? What would the Lord have us? Well, here's what I want you to do. Consider this evening as we examine the lives of the 144,000. Consider this. You go, what's that? Well, I've entitled the message, The Vision, The Voice, and The Victory. Now, within the title, here's what we're going to do. We're going to grab six applicational points that's going to help us today in our walks. There are six things we can see from, because the Word of God is applicational. It's very, it's very alive. And so we can go, oh, okay, I can apply that to my life today. And that's what we want, right? Because you're here on Wednesday night, guys, because you want to grow. Okay? We want to grow more in God. And the enemy keeps coming and fighting in spiritual battles. And, but you're here. And every time you're here and you get the Word of God, it comes in you, your foundation's a little more secure. You're a little bit stronger. Okay? You're a little bit stronger. Six points. You know what they are? Jot this down. We're going to see their seal. Okay? You want to jot that down because we're going to see their seal. We're going to see their symphony. Okay? These are all S. We're going to see their separateness. We're going to see their steps that they take. We're going to see their speech. And then we're going to see their standing with God. What are they again? Their seal, their symphony. These are applications for us, guys. Their separateness, their steps, their speech, and their standing. Six things we can grasp in our lives. So what's the first thing we're going to see? Let's see vision. We're going to see the vision, and then we'll jump in, and I'll tell you the applications. So if you have your Bible handy, go ahead and look. If you don't, that's okay. If you're watching at home, go ahead and look on the screen. Here it is, chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. He says, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. Wow! The first thing John sees is this glorious vision of the Lamb of God. Now, remember two weeks where we left off, what was the last thing he left us? He says, man, there's a monetary system coming. You've got the Antichrist, you've got the false prophet, you've got all of this happening, you've got the beast, and the last thing they're going to do is they're going to put a mark on you, and the number is 666, and you're not going to be able to go, no, I don't want it, you're, just going to, you're not going to be able to buy or sell, and it was so, it was so down, and, and we had talked about that, right? 
We had talked about cryptocurrency. We had talked about how everything's changing from a cashless society. And I'm not even talking, guys. I'm not even talking about, well, we don't have cash anymore, but I use a credit card. It's going to get way deeper than that. Now, we're being set up for exactly what the Word of God told us 2,000 years ago. We can see it. And that's why it says those who have eyes to, uh, ears to hear and, 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 and hearts to receive understand this is what's happening. Because what it should do, it should, should motivate us to do two things. We should be telling others about Jesus. We should be inviting people to church. We should be going after them. This is what we need to do. We need to see Lubbock. We need to see changed lives in Lubbock. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is we need to realize that there's a lot of drama in our lives and that, and that we need to just uh, away with the drama. We need to say, hey, look, listen, I know life is short, so I'm not going to just, I'm not going to chew on everything that comes my way. Right? Delilah, somebody comes in your work and chews you out over, you just blow, hey, yeah, Lord's coming back soon. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that home. Because that's how people are. They're wound up. And so again, this is what we see. He sees this glorious vision. And who is it? It's Jesus. He sees Jesus. We know he's Jesus because he, because he gives him a personal pronoun. Him. Remember in chapter 7, the text identifies his father as God? You go, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, what we have to remind ourselves is what we've been studying, Okay. We have refocused our perspective. Chapter 12, the battle of all ages. The dragon fights against heaven. You guys know the spiritual craziness. Chapter 13 shows us the wicked rulers of the tribulation. Now, here's what you're doing. Pastor Ben, who is the Antichrist? You ready? I don't know. And we're not supposed to know. Because we can get caught up looking and going, is it that guy? I bet it's that guy. He's got an evil look. Look at him. I bet he's, look, look. We don't worry about that. We look for Jesus Christ and we'll let the, because Paul in Second Thessalonians tells us we're not going to know him anyway. He's being held back by the restrainer. All this, even though there's evil, we're, he's, the Holy Spirit is still holding back the evilness. Once we're gone, Alex, once we're raptured, you can imagine. You can imagine. Do you ever ask yourself why? Like, like why do men, why do our governments, why do our authority, why do they want to hurt us and not help us? I, 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 why? Are there men and women sitting around this big round table thinking, if we could just kill the American? I mean, I don't, I don't understand, except that there is a devil, and there is, and he is ruling these people's hearts. Okay? So you go, okay. So we're going to see those guys, not us, not us, not us. Listen, can I just say this to you, church? Please be faithful unto the Lord. Please be faithful. Time is short. And I know the world says, hey, Come on this way. Come on this way. We're having fun over here. There's, there's a party over here. And, and they want to get us off being faithful to the Lord. Please be faithful. And then we come to chapter 14. It reminds us what? That God's Lamb will be the ultimate victor. So Jesus is pictured as a Lamb. 
which is a direct contrast to the beast and the dragon. We see all of, all, all of that. So we see the Lamb of God, guys. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And he's standing on Mount Zion. Mount Zion, that's what he says. Now, that's a significant place. You go, why? Because, listen, the Jewish people have anticipated this moment from the very first prophecy. Every messianic hope and expectation is fulfilled right there. Oh, it's Mount Zion. The Messiah will come to rule and reign on Mount Zion. You go, well, where is Mount Zion? Well, Mount Zion is a small hill in Jerusalem. You go, okay. It's the place where the temple had originally stood, Mount Zion. But it also, Zion, sometimes refers to the entire city of Jerusalem. You go, how so? Psalm 48, 1 and 2. But see, Zion can also refer to the entire nation of Israel. And you see that in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 27. See, Zion is used 40 times in the book of Psalms and almost refers to the Messianic age. Okay? So he says, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus on Mount Zion. Now, now listen. Let's take it a step. Let's, let's, let's go a little bit different. Okay? Let's, let's put on our thinking caps just a little bit. Robert, I want to see Jesus. I think that would be super cool. I don't know what I would do if those two doors opened and Jesus came walking in here and he's like, hey, guys. Right? But you know what, though? Here's what I would love to see. I would love to see Jesus every single day in the life of his believers. As we, as we strive to imitate him, that the world can go, man, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus at Market Street. How so? Man, this incredible person. Was, was, was not, help me church, was not selfish, was not self-centered, but was willing to do whatever it took. Guys, that's what God has called us to do. Now, you use discernment. I mean, you don't just invite some crazy person off the street. Hey, I'm going to be Jesus. Watch, you know, but, but you can, what can we do? How can we show Jesus to, to a dark world? How, how can we show? First of all, let's just be kind. Can we just be kind? Everybody's like this. They're, they're all frowning because the world is. But we can be smiling. We can say, have a good day. Have a good day. You okay? You all right? What else can we do? Man, we can watch. We, we can let people cut in front of us. It's okay. Yeah, Alice goes, no. You can let him go, bro. It's okay. That's okay. Show Jesus. Show the love of Jesus. We got work with it. We got, we got some work. It's all right. Um, when you go out to eat, you put your name down at the podium. And someone walks in and they get seated first. It's okay. We don't have to get all flash. Oh, I, can't. I, I do. I do. The problem is, is that Nathalie looks at me and goes, are you stressed out? What's, what's wrong? What's the matter? And... She never wants me to say anything to, <laughs> to the waiters or waitress. She never wants that because she goes, don't say anything until our food is here. And I'm like, I'm not going to, but, right, don't we want to? It's just like, 
Man, we've been waiting here an hour and a half. Don't say nothing. There's nothing going to spit on our food. I pray for it. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. No, it won't. I'm just kidding. So, so John sees Jesus, but I, I want people to see Jesus in your life. I, I'd love the Holy Spirit to radiate in our lives as we, as we get up. And really what it does, guys, is to draw us to his word every single day. It should draw us to be in his word. And I've got to be honest with you. I find myself drawn to other things. Other things, Yvonne, that we didn't have 20 years ago. You know? I mean, and... Ah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I went to Calvary Chapel and Pastor Ben said, don't look at Facebook. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I want to be drawn to the Word of God because this is where my Savior, this is His heart. And, and, and here's what I know. He's going to esteem His Word, right? He, that's His Word. And if you want to know Jesus, if you want to know him, if you want to know the Father, this is where we get into. Now, I don't know if you're reading. Some of you are reading through the daily, through the, through the one-year Bible, and we're in Chronicles. And it's kind of like, okay, and this guy begot this guy, and this guy was this dude, and this dude was this dude, and that dude, and this name. And, and I'm going, Lord, that's a lot of names. I don't know how we, how would we apply this? If I was teaching Chronicles, how would we apply that Reuben had these dudes and these dudes and all these names, names we can't even pronounce, but he put it in there. And I'll tell you why he put it in there, Alex, because people are important to him. You're important to him. He knows your name. Isn't that great? Robert, you can go to sleep tonight knowing God knows your name. He knows you. It's not like, oh, who is that? Lubbock? Well, he used to live in Florida. I don't know. He went to New I don't know who he is. <laughs> We don't have a place for him here. He knows your name. He knows my name. Rosa, he knows your name. He knows everything you're going through right now. He's walking with you. And I bet you've never been closer to Jesus than you are right now. I know that. I know that. So what's the application for us? Well, here's what you need to jot down. Notice their seal. Okay, notice their seal. Okay, verse 1 says, their father's name was written on their forehead. That's what he says. I saw them. Their father's name was written on their forehead. The name Yahweh was written on their foreheads, and it protected them from many judgments that took place during the tribulation period. Their name, right? And here's what I love. You could say that the Lord was always on their minds. Wow. Wow. Think about this. This is a great verse for you guys. Isaiah 26 and 3 says this. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace. That's me, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Won't you just love that? And Paul, guys, Paul declared in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, that when you put your trust in Christ after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So, you are sealed just like they're sealed. But you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. At that moment, the Father placed His seal in us. And the work of His Holy Spirit is seeking to do is to always keep our minds on Jesus. 
That's really what it should be. Guys, I, speaking truthfully, I have to protect my mind. Because a lot of times it goes, I mean, I mean, what's the very last thing you think about before you go to sleep? And what's the very first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? And, and I want my mind to be set on the Lord. And two weeks ago, we actually talked about the work of the Holy Spirit, right? And how he exists to testify of Jesus, to give glory to Jesus, and to point us to Jesus and to help us in our walks with Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When you've given your life to the Lord, guys, <sighs> Linda, you got baptized on Sunday, didn't you? This, we prayed the Holy Spirit would come upon you because you need the Holy Spirit to help you with your walk. There's still temptations out there. There's still a lot of stuff. There's still college going, hey, there's still all of this stuff in your life. And the Holy Spirit says, no, no, Linda, right now, I've called you to glorify me in all that you do, right? And this is what we all need. And here's why. Because I'll give an invitation. I'll say, hey, how many of you want to get saved? Come forward. Let's pray this prayer. And the first thing I say is words alone aren't sufficient to save. Because we could pray prayers all the way around, but it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that gets us and walks with us and helps us, guys. That's what we talked about, to glorify God. Now, think about this. The significance of the Holy Spirit sealing us speaks of many things. You go, like what? It speaks of a finished transaction. It's, it's done. See, even today, legal documents are processed and they're stamped with an official seal to signify the completion of that transaction. In other words, it's done. That's what it means when you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. No, the second thing it's, it signifies and implies is ownership. Okay? In, in, in Bible days, shipping was a big business. Once goods were packed at the port and they were ready to be shipped off, guys, they would seal it by putting wax seal and basically, the, they would put it on the merchandise and they would imprint their signet ring on that wax. What was it for? It was a mark of ownership. This is mine. And it's going to you. This is my, We see that today, guys. See, when God saved you and he put his Holy Spirit in you, he was saying that you're mine. He was proving ownership. You see... Here's what we must remember. Jesus purchased you from the slave market. You must remember the book of Hosea. It's a beautiful picture of, of the gospel. Could you imagine Hosea? Hosea, yes, Lord, I want you to marry Gomer. Okay, she's pretty. She's also a prostitute. What? And she's not going to be faithful to you. Lord, uh, I think we got our wires crossed here. You said marry a prostitute who's not going to be faithful. And the kids, I don't even know if they're mine, but you still want me to love? That's exactly what I want you to do. You see, that's what we must remember, is that when we're saved, guys, this is what rejoice, is that we were once Gomer in the slave market. And we once were a slave to sin and the bondage of corruption, but not anymore. Now you belong to him. Now you belong to him. You see, that's how we can sleep at night. Because we belong to Jesus. And here's what I want you to take away tonight, guys. Nothing is going to happen to you unless it goes through the Father first. 
Everything is Father-filtered. We must remember that. Everything goes through the Father before it happens. We must trust Him. Can I get an amen? You go, what's the point? Here it is. We are really not our own to live as we please. Let me say that again. We are not our own to live as we please. Can I get an amen on that? Nobody's amening that. It's like, wait a minute. Guys, it's not for me to order my own life or to choose the way I want to go. Wait a minute. I thought if I just got saved, then I could just be me and I could live however you want. No, 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 guys. I belong to him. I belong to him. He purchased me. He sealed me. He's put his mark of ownership upon me. And so now, for the rest of my life, I want to live according to his will. That's what he's saying. We don't live like Abba when we live for ourselves. We don't show Jesus when we live for our own will. Pastor Ben, I don't like how you're preaching. I I have goals. I want to be, I want to, I want to. When you surrender to Jesus, you say, Lord, here are my goals, here are my aspirations, but what do you want to do? Because his way is going to be far better for you. Can you imagine Every kid's dream, I don't know if this was your dream, Sophie, it was mine. By the, time I hit, by the time I hit 27, I really wanted to be a millionaire. I really want, that was, I don't know if that's every kid's dream, but I really, I was in business and I wanted to be a millionaire. This, I'm, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to go here and I was looking at loans and try to get my own company and the whole nine yards. And God says, well, you can do that if you want to, but I've got a better plan for you. And when I surrendered my will to his, it was a total, I'm, I'm a millionaire. I don't know if you realize that. You are? Yeah, but not monetarily. I've got more wealth, Eva. I've got, listen, I grew up in a, in a, in a family, but now I've got a greater family. Wow. I got a God that says, hey, you get to represent me every Wednesday, every Sunday to the people. Listen, it's a calling. It's not just some, it's a calling. It's not something you want to do. Nobody goes, hey, I think I'll be in the ministry. I think I'll do that because I think that's what, it's a calling. Because when times get hard, you can't run. Because it's a calling. You're not a hireling. Your shepherd. You know what another use for the seal, the Holy Spirit, guys, is authenticity. Do you realize that? Just as the signature on a letter attests to the genuineness of that document, so too the presence of the Holy Spirit, guys, um, on you is what is authentic. We use that word a lot. I want to be an authentic Christian. Then you need to walk in the Holy Spirit. You need to walk in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the presence of the Spirit proves that the believer is genuine. How are you genuine? You guys ready? I'm going to, I'm going to borrow this from Soph. He always tells us, do a spiritual what? Inventory. Check your heart. 
But let me just go a deep further. Check the fruit that's coming out of your life. Check the fruit. Is there peace, patience, love, joy? Are those, are, because that's what's going to make you an authentic Christian. Now, I don't want to paint a picture that we never get upset. I don't want to paint a picture that we're perfect and we walk around and we say, praise the Lord, we're all good, amen. I never say another bad thing. That's not us. We're human and we get angry at times and we get frustrated and, and we get in the flesh. I get that. But, but the fruit that's continually coming out of my life is it that of the Holy Spirit. Am I others-oriented? Am I thinking of others above me? Do I esteem others higher than myself? That's what we need to live in. And every morning we get up and go, God, how can I glorify you? And it may be simply you buy lunch for a coworker. And you had no idea that your coworker didn't have any money that day and didn't know where lunch was going to come from. Just figured they weren't going to eat. Can you imagine? But we have to be sensitive to that. We have to be sensitive. We got to be careful that in this day and age, guys, that we're not just a, it's not simply just a lip um, profession. Ah, I'm a Christian or a religious activity or our good works but the witness of the Holy Spirit that makes that what? That profession authentic. Yeah, that's a believer. Yeah, that's a believer. I mean, it's right here. That's right here. Well, back in our text, John says, I heard a voice, right? I heard a voice from heaven and the voice of many waters and the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. Now, here's just a side note, right? John hears the harpists playing. An instrument referred to here is actually a lyre, Okay. And the lyre was this rectangular or trapezoidal instrument, strings. Mel, I don't know if you know what one of these things are, but you either plucked it. It's a lot like a guitar, okay? Now, what's interesting is John says, I I heard this, but it was mostly used in worship. It was mostly used in worship, guys. And when it's used in the Bible, it often refers to as joy, as joy. And so their first seal... Again, here it is. If you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been sealed. You've got the Holy Spirit. And what should come out of our lives? Worship? Joy? Some of us might go, man, I need it. I need a refilling of God's Holy Spirit. I need to be, I need that. I get it. I get it. Think about it like this. Think about the Holy Spirit as as a type of gasoline. You put gas in your car, okay? And when you buy a brand new car and you put gas in it, right, you fill it up, right? Unless you're my wife, then you only put a couple of dollars and wait till I fill it up. But if you're already at the gas station, put the whole... Anyways, I just, I digress, sorry. But you fill it up and um, and then you don't say, you don't say, oh, I'm never going to put gas again. You, you go with that gas and you say, okay, now I need some more gas. And that's how the Holy Spirit, guys, we, we have the whole, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we go through our day and all of a sudden, oh Lord, I need to be filled with you again. All the time, constantly, constantly. That was the vision. Let's see the voice, guys. Ready? And here's our application. Ready? The symphony. Look at verse three. 
And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne. Man, this is great. For why? Before the four living creatures, the elders, no one could learn that song. Why? Except 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. This is a special song. This was exclusive for them to sing. Why? Because they went through the testing and the tribulation, guys, and they maintained their integrity. They kept their purity. They continued to walk with the Lord until he redeemed them from the earth. For seven years, the tribulation, this 144,000 remained faithful to the Lord. You go, well, yeah, that's because they were these robot Jewish men that were like Paul. They were human beings filled with the Holy Spirit, with God, and they were faithful. And they were faithful. And here's the song that they sing. They alone could sing the song. Because they were able to observe what the Father was doing at the time of the tribulation. As he was faithful to them in all the ways. And he protected them in the midst of the tribulation. Now, who are we talking about? The 144,000. Who are we talking about? The 144,000. See, a lot of people will take 144,000 and and reference that's the church. It's not the church. The church is bigger than 144,000. Well, see, we're not, we're not, we're not going to be raptured. You're going to go through the tribulation, but see, God's going to just protect you. He's protecting the 144,000. He's going to see them through. The church is going to be with him in heaven. Now, listen. Every one of us goes through trials and tribulation. Would you agree? Would you agree? Yeah. And God's intention at those times, you ready? is that he might produce in us, here you go, I'm going to blow your mind, a new song. He wants to produce in you a symphony. You see, he's going to take them and be faithful to them, and at the end of it, they're going to have a new song exclusive to them. Well, see, that's what God wants to do in you. Every trial, every tribulation is to produce in you a symphony, a symphony. Okay, a a declaration of how his grace was sufficient and how his power in weakness and how he alone has pulled you through. I've told you this before, and I'll, I'll tell you this again. It was about six years ago. My wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. That was a trial and a tribulation. I got to be honest with you, church. I literally felt like I was going to be widowed. I really did, because my mom, my mom died of breast cancer, my sister died of lung cancer, now my wife has it. That was a death sentence. I was like, okay. So what did I do? I began to prepare my heart for the worst. You had to do that. I began to push Nathalie away. I was protecting my heart. But what God did in Nathalie is he drew her and he gave her a new song. Now, I still went through all the appointments with her. I still did all of that, and, and we prayed. But you got to know how it messed with me. But realizing, guys, is, is, is that what God was trying to do, whether she stayed here and God healed her, amen, or she went home to be with Jesus, he was producing in her a new song. And she says to this day, I literally felt God's breath on me. 
in that time. Wow. Wow. Don't look at your trials or tribulations, bro, as, as oh, man, <sighs> problems. This is, look at them as, what is God trying to produce in me? A brand new song. A brand new symphony. I mean, think about it like this. You know Paul? Do you remember Paul and Silas when they were in prison? Okay? And when we think about that, and what do we think? Well, we think of prison, right? Color TV, workout facility, rec yard. This is not their type of... Guys, it was a dark dungeon, rats everywhere. And Paul and Silas at midnight, they're singing hymns to God. And if I'm being honest with you, I'm not singing hymns to God. I'm probably going, oh, why me? <laughs> I thought you were God. Uh, right? We don't we do that? Let's be honest. But Paul and Silas were, they're singing to the Lord. They're in the middle of the dark, in the dungeon at midnight. They're singing praises to God. Now, look at, look at Acts 16.24 up here. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and prisoners were listening to them. You go, well, Ben, of course they were singing. The earthquake was coming. Listen, they didn't know. They didn't have Acts 16, right? They they, they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know the the prison was going to shake and the doors were going to open. They're just singing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his... I mean, just singing. Just singing. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I get caught up too much on this earth that I forget, man. It's going to be awesome. I got, is it just me? Or does anybody get caught up a little bit down here too? Yeah. yeah, We do. We do. Why were they singing? Well, did they want the experience of the power of praise? No. They weren't singing, well, maybe if we sing, the Lord will get us out of here. No. Here's why they sang. They sang because they knew the Lord was with them. And they had already seen... And they had already shaken their hearts, and for that reason, they sang. Question. When was the last time you just sang? You just sang to the Lord. It's been a while for some of us. People will think you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when was the last time we just, in our cars, driving, just just singing? Just singing, singing praises to the Lord. I'll never forget one time we we went to a men's conference in New Mexico and and uh, we were singing old Calvary songs in the car, old ones from from the days going. Oh, do you remember this one? And we would just sing it, and we did that for about an hour, hour and a half. It was so cool. It was so. Cool. So the trials and tribulation, guys, what does he want to do? He wants to produce in us what? A symphony. A song. A symphony of praise. Why? Because he's still on the throne and he's, and he's with us and he sealed us. But let me tell you one thing, okay? 
There's one thing that will stand in the way of a song birthed in your heart. You go, what's that? What is it? It's not a symphony of others. It's the sympathy of others. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? What do you mean? There's one thing that's going to stand in the way of a song that God is birthing in your heart, and it's the sympathy of others. The symphony, what do you, what, what do you mean? Well, there's a big difference between symphony and sympathy. You go, what do you mean? Well, let's say like you're going through a trial, right? You're going through a trial, and, and you've got this symphony because, because you know in your heart. You know that God is with you. Or you can choose to get sympathy from other people. You go, what do you mean? Well, let's think about this. When we go through difficult times or hard times, there's always well-meaning people who come along with words of sympathy. And I'm referring to that type of sympathy that says things like, wow, I can't believe this is happening to you. This doesn't make any sense. You're such a good person. Oh, you poor thing. This is just horrible. I don't understand why such a good Christian would suffer so much. Now, that type of symphony will have two negative effects on me. You go, like what? First, it puts me, it puts a message in my mind that what's happening to me right now in my life is out of God's control. I can't believe, well, God wouldn't do that to you. Oh, so that puts that message. Number two, it puts my focus where? On me and my situation, and it takes my eyes and my mind off the Lord. So we have to be so careful, guys, because God wants to create a symphony. Be careful with sympathy. How many of you have ever said, why me? What we should say is, why not me? Because he's making us more like Christ. He's making us more like his son. We're going to notice their separateness here, and then we're not going to be able to finish all of this. Well, let's see. We're in verse 4. Then the ones that were defiled, notice, these are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are the ones who followed the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the lamb. Well, now this speaks of many things. Okay? What does it mean? Guys, it, they, kept themselves from, they kept themselves pure from defilements, Right? In, 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 in the defilements of this world, in the moral filth. They kept themselves from anything that would co- compromise their purity before Jesus. That's what they did. Guys, in the Old Testament, New Testament, you know this. Unfaithfulness to the Lord is described as spiritual fornication. Okay? And adultery, he uses. These people, these 144,000, well, they were faithful to Jesus, and they didn't love the world. What a great, what a, oh my goodness. Listen, they, their loved belong to Jesus and Jesus only. And my point is, there are many Christians who don't, who don't think it seriously about flirting with the world or with sin. You go, what do you mean? Well, the best way I can illustrate it like this is really simple. There was a little boy, couldn't been more than, Four or five went fishing. Went fishing with his, he went fishing with his papa. And there he was. And papa had a little can, 
styrofoam thing of worms, and they put little worms on and throw it in. And the little boy got bored, four or five years old, starts walking around. And Papa, there's, there's some worms here. And starts digging and playing with the worms. Little tiny worms. Starts, starts digging with them. Before you know it, Papa looks over and this four-year-old has collapsed. He runs over there and he says, what, what, what in the world? Well, found out, well, these worms were not worms. They're little baby rattlesnakes. And they begin to bite him. And he thought they're worms. He didn't take it serious. Guys, many Christians have a tendency to approach sin the same way. Oh, that's okay. They're, 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 they're not going to hurt me. And enough of them will render you and kill you. This little boy probably thought, I'm just going to play around. You know, they're just... But those little bites of sin can be deadly. As a matter of fact... 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that, the, that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. But it's of the world. Listen, church, we're the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. Think about this, okay? I'm going to... I'm going to see, let's see, how much do I got left? Um, oh, let's close right here because I know we want to do communion. But let me, let me just kind of close with this, okay? Um, being the bride of Christ. We'll tackle the other four next week. Think about your wedding. Think about weddings, okay? The wedding, the bride comes with the most beautiful dress, okay? Most beautiful dress. I mean, what a beautiful wedding gown. You guys know the whole story. Men, they come in tuxedos, right? Now, next time you're thinking about doing something that's questionable, ask yourself if the situation will cause you to get your wedding gown filthy. Or will it defile your tux? Because we're the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. Now, We won't be able to cover the rest, but I want to go into communion. We're, we'll talk about the, other, the others next. I just, just ran out of time, but I want to spend some time in communion. And so as we approach communion, guys, we're going to pray. But remember, here's what I want you to know. Communion is open to anyone who believes. And this is a time of celebration. This is a time where you come to the table and you're saying, man, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection and the soon return of Jesus Christ. So, as Mel plays and the, and the worship team plays this song, guys, um, I, I've kind of told them to extend it just a little bit so you have time. Here's what I want you to do. This is your time here to just commune with God. And this is time where we go, Lord, search my heart. Uh, help me do a spiritual inventory. Lord, am I walking in the Spirit? Am I, am I, am I really just... Uh, producing the things, am I glorifying you in all that I do? And, 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 and just, just talk to the Lord. You see, he's not mad at you. He's not going, come here, you come to this table and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, he says, no, listen, this is time for us to just open up our hearts and say, yes, Lord. 
This is a time where we can confess, God, I'm so sorry. I have blown it. I've made a mess of things. This is a time where we go, ah, thank you, Lord, for giving me air to breathe. And we can pray with each other. We can love on each other. Got some great application tonight. Let me remind you, his promises, he's going to keep them. And his promise to come back for us, guys, he's going to do that. It's raining outside. Get in the ark. You go, Ben, I'm in the ark. Then celebrate his faithfulness. You go, Ben, how are we going to do this? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. As the worship team is just playing and leading us into worship, just remember this. I want you to, first and foremost, I want you to look within. God, where am I with you? Just look at your heart. Show me where I'm at. Show me my shortcomings. Show me where I've sinned. Show me where I've blown it. Those of you watching online, I wish you could be here with us, but if you have some grapefruit in in the cracker, you can do this at home. The second thing I want you to do, guys, is I want you to look back. Okay, I want you to look back at his faithfulness in your life, all of his faithfulness. Some of us go, man, I shouldn't be here. And God goes, no, no, I'm faithful because I have a plan for your life. You aren't going to come home any t- until it's till I know that time. You're not going to come home one minute before, one minute. This is the time you're coming home. So we can, we can think about that. And last but not least, guys, I want you to, I want you to um, think forward. Because Jesus told us, guys, that he wasn't going to do this until he did it with us in the kingdom. So we're doing it here tonight. But so we'll say next time in heaven. Next time in heaven. The Jews would do this and they would say next time in Jerusalem. They wanted to go back to Jerusalem. Well, we want to go to heaven. So next time we take communion. So it's open to you. Pray and then come up when you're ready. And uh, Mel, if you'll dismiss us at, at 8.30. Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. And Lord, although we didn't finish even five verses, you had so much for us. And so uh, we look forward to what you want to say next week. So we thank you for the 144,000. We thank you that we're fast forward in the tribulation. We thank you that tonight we can take a break and just breathe. I pray for these precious saints that are here that, Lord, they would just commune with you. They would spend time um, just praying, and when they're ready, they would come and, uh, and they would just commune with you. God, if there's anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want what Acts says. Just the, I, will, I will pray the Holy Spirit would come upon you, and we would pray that for you, because maybe you go, that's what I need. I need to be, I need the Holy Spirit to come upon me, to guide me, to show me, to live for Him. I'll do that too. I'm going to be up here. I'm just going to be sitting right here, guys. And uh, you come up if you need prayer for the Holy Spirit or anything else. Um, Let's give this time to the Lord. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.